you're listening to the Land of the Small and Sticky Preschool Podcast. Hi guys, it's Miss Amanda, and it's been about a month since I've been able to get a new episode out. I swear you could have a full-time job just running your kids around to sporting events and games and pictures and all of the things. And that seems to be winding down a little bit for winter. So I hope to be more available because I really, I, I think that putting this information out is really important. Our classroom this week will be a full week, Monday through Friday. And we have just, we have a couple new friends. We have a couple new families. So um, just a refresher, our week is Monday through Friday, five days a week. We do not follow the public schools four day a week. Um, and I know it's really hard to get your kiddo up and dressed and out of bed and when everybody else is still sleeping, but it, it's really important if your kiddo is healthy to bring them to school on Friday, especially this Friday, because A, we have a, we have a party. B, the dentist is coming. And I know the last episode I put out, we talked about dental screening and dental health and why baby teeth are important. And then I'm not really sure what happened. The screening got canceled. I almost think it was rescheduled again and then that got canceled. But hopefully on Friday, there will be a dentist at school to clean your baby's teeth. Fingers crossed. Also on Friday is our harvest party. What that will look like is you, you can wear costumes. Your kiddo can wear a costume. You can wear a costume too if you like. Um, the only thing I ask is no masks. I need to be able to see your kid's face and no weapons, no accessories, I should say. Um, leave those at home, but we will take a costume. And if your kid does not want to wear a costume, it's totally fine. It's optional. Don't worry about it. We are going to go trick-or-treating at the action offices beside our building. And then the staff will have a lot of treats for your kiddo too. And in the past, I've let them, when all of the trick-or-treating is done, all of the little, you know, everybody's got their goodies. I let them pick one and eat it. And it's normally like something small, not something um, that's going to make their teeth fall out. Like I'm not a fan of Tootsie Rolls or any kind of like taffy. I feel like, I don't know. I hate them. And not anything your kids might choke on. Let them pick one thing and eat it. And that's their treat until they get home until like parents can kind of divvy up candy or whatever their rules are. Um, But like I said, if the dentist might be there, so I don't know if that will happen. I do want to invite parents to school on Friday. And this is totally optional too. I know, I know you have to work or, you have prior engagements or maybe just preschool is your break. I'm not judging. But I do want to invite you if you would like to come. You can come just for like 20 extra minutes in the morning. You can come for, stay for breakfast or lunch. Or you can go trick-or-treating with us. Or you can just hang out and see what the dentist is all about. Whatever you feel comfortable with, I want you to feel welcome to do it. You are always, always, always invited and welcomed in the classroom. So this is a really great 
volunteer opportunity if you would like to. Two more things I want to talk about before we kind of pop into the information that I want to get out is make sure your child is dressed appropriately for the winter or for the cold, I should say. Ooh, I don't want to get to winter just yet, but for the, the cold. Make sure you check the weather. Make sure they're dressed appropriately for whatever kind of weather we're going to have because we go outside every day unless it's pouring down rain or less than 10 degrees. We'll just play in the yellow room then. But I think, it, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's really important to get outside, run, scream, hoot and holler, get a little bit of sunshine, get a little bit of fresh air. So we go outside every day, even if it's for, you know, 20 minutes. I think it's really important. If you need help getting snow gear for yourself, your kiddo, your, you know, maybe you have other kiddos, like your preschooler has siblings. Um, let us know and so we can help. I tell your kiddos every day that I only have two jobs and that is to keep you safe and to help. So if you need help getting snow gear for anyone in your family, send me a remind, pull me aside in the classroom, talk to the office ladies, and we will move mountains to get you what you need. One more thing is... You might be seeing these cute little name papers coming home in your kid's locker. Like it's just a white sheet of paper and it has like little boxes on the bottom with your kid's name in it. Those name papers, um, you'll get one every single day um, till the end of the school year, till summer vacation. And I use that as A, to teach your kid how to write their name. And B, we use it as a transition from morning meeting. So morning meeting is over at carpet. We write our name. And that writing your name is your ticket to free time. So they can kind of explore the room. They can play with toys. They can hang out with friends. That's what free time is. And if you're seeing a paper come home with scribbling on it or what I'm going to call like little mock letters, that pre-writing, that it's completely normal. So the progression of learning to write your name starts with scribbling. That's your kiddo's brain figuring out hand dominance. Like, am I right-handed? Am I left-handed? What are we doing with this pencil? Kind of stuff like that. And then they'll move into how to properly hold a pencil to control it. And that's when we really, really um, pinpoint that tripod grasp. That's their thumb their pointer finger and their middle finger and how to hold the pencil correctly. Sometimes you'll see them like they'll hold the pencil with their, their entire fist and they'll just go back and forth scribbling. Um, but once, once they kind of move past and develop past that scribbling part, they move on to tracing. And I always tell the kids to write on top of those black lines. And most of our classroom is getting really good at that. They're tracing on top of those black lines. And then once they have mastered tracing, once they develop past that tracing, they'll move to writing letters. But they don't really look like letters. It's called pre-writing. And I know there are some kids right now who are like pre-writing superstars. Like 
Sometimes it'll look like a little line in the box or a circle or some kind of shape or some kind of thing that kind of looks like an F, but it's not really an F. And that's really important for their progression of handwriting because that phase tells me that their brain is understanding the concept that each letter is its own individual letter and that smushed together has meaning like their name. They have that, that individual letter concept is really, really important for later writing and reading. So that's really important that that pre-writing, that that mock letter stage happens. Sometimes we have kids come in, this is kind of an off side note. Sometimes we have kids come in that know how to write their name, but they don't know what letters they're writing. Like you can tell it's just like repetition. Like this is, these lines mean my name or this is how I write my name. And that's, I mean, they know how to write their name, but they don't understand that that there's individual letters inside their name and pushed together has, has context, has meaning. So that pre-writing phase is really important. And then once they move from that pre-writing, they'll start, they'll start really writing their letters as letters look to adults in the, in, in the English language. So that's kind of the progression, scribbling, tracing, pre-writing, writing, tangible letters. And then after that, we'll just give them a blank sheet of paper. Once they've really, really like gotten down those letter writing skills, we'll just give them a blank piece of paper and see if they can recall that memory can, can, is really working for the order their letters go in. And that's pretty advanced. Um, I probably won't do that till after Christmas. And in some of my kids, I, I won't do that. They'll always have that name paper. So that's something to look forward to. Make sure you pull out that, that name sheet and see where they're at kind of developmentally in their handwriting progress. I think it's always, it's so telling. I love it. So that is our classroom happenings. And then I wanted to give you, it's not really a lesson. It's more like, I want to put this information out into the universe. And if it applies to you, take it and then go to my links. I'm going to, I'm going to share too, or, you know, pass it along. Um, and it is a federal regulation that was passed in 1975 it's called the IDEA Act, and it's the Individual Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. And this act really laid the groundwork for special education. And it's been amended a couple different times to be more inclusive, to add more developmentally appropriate regulations for, for children. But the grand scheme of it, um, it was to ensure all children have the appropriate, the opportunity to a free and appropriate public education. And so, you know, it was a, it was a federal law, like I stated, but the government pretty much gave it to states to kind of come up with their own 
regulations on how to meet the federal law. So in each state, this might look a little different, but they, every state has the same kind of framework pretty much. So I'm going to tell you the framework that my area in Montana has. And if you're, if you're listening from outside of Montana, you might have something different. And I will tell you, so I live in Montana now. When I really got into preschool and, and all of this stuff, I, I was in Colorado. And in Colorado, I have noticed that they use a little bit different language than they do in Montana. So in Montana, they use the phrase special services to kind of talk about um, special education. In Colorado, they use the term early intervention. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to adopt that special services, but if you hear me say early intervention, it's, it's kind of one in the same. So means all the same thing, all the same kind of framework, just different kind of language. So in Montana, um, and this was a later amended amendment that gave, there's three parts to this idea act, part C, part B, and part A or part A, part B, part C. It's kind of whatever um, you would like to say that as. Part A doesn't really affect, um, like in the classroom so much, part A is the federal government said, um, for part A, you have to have some kind of regulatory overhead to regulate the other parts of, of this act. And in Montana, how they meet that requirement is through, let me click over here to my tabs, the Office of Public Instruction. And we would call that OPI, Office of Public Instruction. And they are kind of, um, they make all of the regulations kind of for Montana's public school system. So they don't just do special education. They do all of, but, but they do have a division of special education in Montana. So the Office of Public Instruction, OPI, um, fulfills the regulations from the federal government for Part A of the IDEA Act. And um, I will send a link out if you would like to read the laws and all of that good stuff from them because it goes over... Um, there's a lot of rights and um, that goes along with these, the IDEA Act. So the children have rights, the parents have rights, and all of the other stuff that goes along with it. Um, I'm just going to give a very broad overview. But there is a lot of, it's 146 pages long. It's, it's you know, it's got a lot of regulation language that might be, I mean, it's difficult for me to fully understand and it's, it's heavy. So, but I'll send it out if you would like to look at it. Um, cause it is, there is some really good information in there. So that's part a part B. Actually, I'm going to skip. I'm going to go to part C. Part C covers children, newborn babies up to age three. And they really 
support the family um, in any kind of support they would really need. So, and how they do that is through a department. Again, this is in Montana. And I know even in different regions in Montana, they use a different service. But in my region of Montana, to fulfill Part C of the IDEA Act, they use DEEP. And that's an acronym for Developmental Educational Assistance Program. So if there's any kind of concern, developmental-wise, uh, medical needs, behavioral needs, anything kind of like that, that the, the, the family would need resources on how to appropriately support their child under the age of three, they would go to DEEP or whoever their provider is in their region. And um, they use a, let me go over here so I don't, they use an IFSP. So if, you're, if your family would qualify for their services, they would put you, you would get an individual family service plan. And that just lays out um, your child's screenings, what they found from that screening, whatever they use, um, what support systems could be in place to help. And they'll put goals in there for the family, goals for the child, developmental-wise. And then um, it'll talk about how many times they'll a week they'll get services or anything kind of like that. And most of the time, um, those services will be provided in their home, in the in the family's home. Um, so that's Part C, Deep Developmental Educational Assistance Program. And then, so that's Part C, Part B is kind of where you'll find that's kind of like my little niche of, of where I find myself at because part B covers children's ages three to age 21. And if you have a part C plan, like if you get support from deep, just for um, example, when your child turns three, it will transfer over to an IEP. Um, that's an individual education plan. And that plan will go from like the family supports and it'll go more towards how do we help this child succeed in a school setting. And that can look, that can look different to a lot of people. And if you if your preschooler comes into preschool and they, and they do not have a Part C and IFSP plan, and they come into preschool, and you know there's not any major concerns, but I can see where extra supports would be needed. I still use that in my classroom to kind of individualize a goal, a plan, a something to help your child succeed in my classroom. And a really good example of that is I just sent home progress reports at the beginning of the month. And I don't, I'm trying to think back. I don't think it was on that first page, but on that second page for sure um, is a goal for your child. And 
just off the top of my head, I know one was like, um, follows expectations and rules of the classroom. And then underneath I put, how am I and the classroom staff going to help your child reach this goal or reach this goal? So that's a really good way of how I individualized and fulfilled the part B section of the idea act in my classroom. Another thing you'll see in the classroom is um, like flexible seating for our kiddos who need to be moving and grooving to learn. You'll see we have accommodations for like special graspers for pencils for kiddos who need help developing hand strength. Um, you'll see there might be kids in our classroom where, you know, we sit down as, as a classroom staff and go over this child needs one step directions and then extra time to process information, or this kiddo just needs extra or one-on-one -on -one support during this activity in classroom. So those are different ways where you see the idea act and you see part B in the classroom without IEPs. So if your kiddo does qualify for an IEP, and this is just um, one way, this is the most common way, um, kiddos in my classroom have IEPs and, and, and get an IEP is, you know, we have different screenings throughout the area, vision, we have hearing, um, we're going to have a dental screening soon. Every kiddo had to do a brigant, oh my gosh, I can't say it, brigant screening. And that really goes over the entire child's development that accompanies all of their developmental areas. And from that, that that's not all encompassing, but it does show the teachers if they are at risk without an intervention plan of having a developmental delay or falling farther behind because they didn't get the help they need, that kind of stuff. So if I have a concern, I always talk to the parents first. And then because I am not a special education teacher, we have some guys from the public school system come in and observe and then, and then they go from there with more testing and they'll reach out to the parents and that kind of stuff. We're really fortunate to have a great kind of pre-K team here in town that does that. Another way um, to do that, if you are concerned about your child, is every spring, our town has uh, what we call a child find. And that's when all of the kind of resources from our town, like DEEP and um, our special education pre-K team and um, our center has representatives that go out and they all meet in one area. And you can bring your kiddo, you can have them screened, you can ask all the questions. That's another really great way if you have concerns. Another way is to talk to your pediatrician, your kiddo's doctor, give her your concerns. She'll have, a, um, she'll have some resources for you too. Or you could just call the middle school here in town. And that sounds really strange, but that is where our special education Pre-K is located, it's in the middle school. So you could call out there, talk to 
whoever answers the phone and kind of tell them what you're looking for and, and they'll lead you in the right direction. So you have lots of options. So, um, nobody falls through the cracks. That's kind of my goal that nobody falls through the cracks and everybody kind of reaches their, their full potential. Um, I'm just looking through my notes here. And that is kind of the gist of the idea act. Like I said earlier, I'll, I'll give you links to all of this. I'll give you links to our deep department. I'll give you links to, um, if you have questions about, about part B that like, um, for like, um, ages three to 21, um, just ask me, I don't really have, um, I would give you my, like, our center's phone number and then and then we could um kind of kind of go over what you're looking for but just reach out if you have questions about that and then I'll link um the OPI Office of Public Instructions Special Education Division they're kind of I call it a handout but it's 146 pages and that will give you everything that that dives into the to the trenches of um, special education in our state. So if you would need to look at that, there's lots of your kiddo has rights through this process. You have rights through that process. It goes over. If you don't agree with the, with the testing's findings, it, it gives you everything. So I'll, I'll link that and that's all I got for you. Get some sleep guys. And we'll see you in the morning. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Tune in next Sunday for another episode of the Land of the Small and Sticky Preschool Podcast.